0: Hello friends, it's February 15th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where each day we encourage each other in the healthy habit of taking in the counsel of the Lord as we progressively read through the Old and New Testaments. We also take a daily trip to the Bible's song room, the book of Psalms, and draw from the treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, and I'm pleased to be serving as your tour guide, and after each reading, I will highlight some landmark discoveries that you won't want to miss. We hope you're being enriched by your reading through the Bible this year, and if you started with us on January 1st, your daily Bible reading habit should be getting strong by this week. We are in week six. Reading God's Word should now be a regular part of your daily routine, as much as having regular meals and brushing your teeth. The Apostle Peter Gives us further advice on developing a healthy spiritual appetite, no matter what our stage of maturity may be. We never outgrow our need to have our minds renewed with the message of the gospel. We need to withdraw from the deceitful mindset of our old nature, the way we used to think, and the habits of our old nature, the way we used to act. The Apostle Peter reminds us that if we have been born from above through faith in Christ, we are a new creation. Therefore, Putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy, and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. In first Peter chapter two verses one and two. How is your spiritual appetite? Is it healthy? Are you growing in your experience of salvation? Do you desire a regular feeding on the counsel of God's word like a newborn babe desiring milk? When you are getting regular spiritual exercise, you will be encouraging a good spiritual appetite. Job says in Job chapter 23, verse 12, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Today we cross another threshold in our daily Bible reading. We conclude the book of Exodus and start the Gospel of Mark. So let's begin by returning to the book of Exodus And we will be reading chapters 39 and 40. Exodus chapter 39. Making the Priestly Garments From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns they made finely woven garments for ministering in the holy place. They made the holy garments for Aaron, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they hammered out gold leaf, and cut it into threads to work into the blue and purple and the scarlet yarns and into the fine twined linen in skilled design they made for the ephod attaching shoulder pieces joined to it at its two edges and the skillfully woven band on it was of one piece with it and made like it of gold blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen as the lord had commanded moses they made the onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold filigree, and engraved like the engravings of a signet, according to the names of the sons of Israel. And he set them on the shoulder-piece of the ephod, to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the breast-piece, in skilled work, in the style of the ephod, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. It was square they made the breast piece doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth when doubled. And they set it in four rows of stones: a row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle was the first row, and the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row, a BARREL, an onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in settings of gold filigree. There were twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They were like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. And they made on the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And they made two settings of gold filigree and two gold rings, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And they put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece they attached the two ends to the two cords to the two settings of filigree. Thus they attached it in front to the shoulder-pieces of the ephod. Then they made two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breast-piece on its inside edge next to the ephod, and they made two rings of gold and attached them in front to the lower part of the two shoulder-pieces of the ephod, at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod and they bound the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it should lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, and that the breastpiece should not come loose from the ephod, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also made the robe of the ephod, woven all of blue, and the opening of the robe in it was like the opening in a garment, with a binding around the opening, so that it might not tear. On the hem of the robe they made pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. They also made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates all around the hem of the robe between the pomegranates. A bell and a pomegranate. A bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe for ministering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They also made the coats, woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of fine linen, and the caps of fine linen, and the linen undergarments of fine-twined linen, and the sash of fine-twined linen, and of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, embroidered with needlework as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote on it an inscription, like the engraving of a signet, quote, Holy to the Lord, unquote and they tied to it a cord of blue to fasten it on the turban above, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases the covering of tanned ram-skins and goat-skins, and the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy-seat, the table with all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand of pure gold and its lamps with the lamps set and all its utensils, and the oil for the light, the golden altar, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tent." the bronze altar and its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its spaces, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs, and all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. Chapter 40 The Tabernacle Erected The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month You shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony. And you shall screen the ark with the veil, and you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand, and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt-offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and consecrate it and all its furniture, so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar, so that the altar may become most holy." You shall also anoint the basin, and its stand, and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall wash them with water, and put on Aaron the holy garments, and you shall anoint him and consecrate him, that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also, and put coats on them, and anoint them, as you anointed their father, that they may serve me as priests and their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases, and set up its frames, and put in its poles, and raised up its pillars and he spread the tent over the tabernacle, and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony, and put it into the ark, and put the poles on the ark, and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and set up the veil of the screen, and screened the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting, on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil, and arranged the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting, opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil, and burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. And he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. THE GLORY OF THE LORD. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it; and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, and this concludes the book of Exodus. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. Some of you may have been growing impatient with Moses repeating the same details pertaining to the tabernacle's construction and services in chapters 35 verses 4 through chapter 40 verse 38, which he had already given in chapters 25 verses 1 through chapter 31 verse 18. I would encourage you to persist in taking a second look at the features of the tabernacle and in the 39th chapter, the construction of the priest's garments. The first observation is the importance of execution. It is one thing to know God's commands. It's another thing to do them. Get in the action habit of doing what God has commanded. Find friends who will hold you accountable. Practice obedience. We read in the book of James, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves, in James chapter 1, verse 22. It is one thing to have the knowledge of God's will. It's another have the wisdom to apply it jesus said in matthew 21 verses 19 through 31 but what do you think a man had two sons and he came to the first and said son go work today in the vineyard and he answered i will not but afterward he regretted it and went the man came to the second and said the same thing and he answered i will sir but he did not go which of the two did the will of his father they said the first. Jesus said His words were a revelation of God's will. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of Mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus gave us His own example of how to do God's will with a heart attitude of love. Jesus said to His disciples, You call Me Teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord, and the Teacher— washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for i gave you an example so that you should do as i did to you john chapter 13 verses 11 through 15 if you know these things you are blessed if you do them john chapter 13 verse 17 the second observation in reading these chapters is the importance of detailed obedience obedience is doing what we are told when we are told with what we are told with whom we are told And how we are told. Moses records the phrase, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, fifteen times in these two chapters Exodus chapter 39, verse 1, verse 5, 21, 26, 29, 31, 43, Exodus chapter 40, verse 19, 21, 23, 25, 27, 29, and 32. The perfect, detailed obedience shown in the construction of the tabernacle, its costumes, furnishings, accessories, and services reflect the perfect obedience that went into the redemptive work of Christ, that is prophetically pictured. For Jesus Christ is God incarnate, the Word of God come to tabernacle among us. He is our high priest and our perfect sacrifice. He embodies all the sacrifices of the tabernacle, both the sacrifices that put away sins, the trespass and sin offerings, and those that represent us in righteousness, pictured in the sweet-smelling offerings, the burnt offering which pictures His perfect devotion, the meal offering which pictures His perfect submission, and the peace offering which pictures what He provides of perfect fellowship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was perfectly obedient to fulfill the work of redemption. Being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter two, verse eight. It is important to remember that these costumes of beauty and glory for the priests would be getting soiled with blood and oil during the daily sacrifices. Jesus Christ left the pristine holiness of heaven to take on the dirty task of our rescue from the pit of death. His life would be poured out on the altar for us. He would bear wounds for our transgressions. He did not shrink back in fear. He knew what obedience would cost him. He was not afraid of the blood. He knew He was to make the ultimate sacrifice. He was not afraid of the oil, for it represented His utter reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus wore His intrinsic colors, the gold of deity, the blue of heaven, and the purple of majesty. Although He existed in the form of God, He did not regard equality with God as a thing to be selfishly grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men he was born of a virgin and became man yet without sin here we have the color of redemption the scarlet of blood blood that was free from adamic corruption the apostle peter calls it precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless in 1st peter chapter 1 verse 19 jesus was clothed with a linen of righteousness he fulfills righteousness on our behalf in matthew chapter 5 verse 17 and is obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6-9 through 9. Jesus finished the work of redemption, just as the Israelites had finished the work of building the tabernacle, the prophetic picture of that redemption. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was completed, and the sons of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. Exodus chapter 39, verse 32 In Exodus chapter forty, the work is inspected and found to be done just as the Lord had commanded. Moses represents the Law; the Law is satisfied with the finished work of Christ. In Exodus chapter forty, Moses is seen as the only actor on the stage; he sets up the tabernacle. All subordinates disappear from view; if they are involved, no mention is made of them. The Holy Spirit wants to draw our attention to the fact that the work of redemption pictured in the tabernacle will be fulfilled by only one man, the perfect Mediator, Jesus Christ. For there is one God, and one Mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6 On the altar of the cross, Jesus cries, It is finished, it is completed, in John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus sheds His precious blood, pouring out His life of perfect obedience as a sinless substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus does not break the law, as the children of Israel did. The second set of stone tablets was stored inside the Ark of the Covenant, which speaks of Christ, who had the laws written on His heart and fulfilled them by the Eternal Spirit with joyful obedience in Exodus chapter 40, verse 20. Jesus, as our great high priest, turns the judgment seat that should have sentenced us to hell into a mercy seat where we are accepted forever in the perfection of his once and for all sacrifice. He propitiates, meaning he satisfies the heart of the Father on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and chapter 4, verse 10. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 33, we read, Thus Moses finished the work. The evidence of God's satisfaction with the finished work is seen in the filling of the tabernacle with the manifestation of the glory of God, in verses 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle the glory of the finished work is something that we cannot contribute towards or take away from moses who represents the law cannot enter into it he himself would not be allowed to make sacrifices there is no room for moses in the tabernacle there is no room for the old testament righteousness in which the corrupted hearts of men pledge their fickle hearts to god there is no room for boasting in the flesh There is no room for priding oneself in a falsely assumed ability to conform outwardly to the standards of God's righteousness. All we have to boast in is pictured here, the glory of the Lord filling the house, Jesus Christ fulfilling every demand of a holy God on our behalf. He fulfills the law both by His doing, that is His act of obedience, and His dying, His passive obedience satisfying the demands of justice against all who have offended God rebelled against his authority, opposed his standards of righteousness, transgressed his laws, and disobeyed his commands. And so we have the final words in the book of Exodus. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. Exodus chapter 40, verses 36-38 through 38. All eyes are on the Lord, whose presence and guidance are made known by the cloud that could be seen on the tabernacle by day and by night, because there was fire in it. Now let's go to the New Testament reading, the second book of the New Testament, the Gospel according to Mark. Beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon The Gospel of Mark reads like a screenplay. Mark writes with the Romans in mind. He does not give as much attention to the teachings of Jesus as do Matthew or Luke. In the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus on the move. Jesus makes Himself known through His mighty acts. Mark makes it clear that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He was duly introduced by His messenger, John the Baptist, according to the prophet Isaiah. Mark's claim that Jesus is the Messiah is backed up as he describes the heaven's opening with the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and a voice declaring that He is the dearly loved Son of God, as He is baptized by John at the River Jordan. Jesus no sooner calls His disciples to follow Him when the action starts. He astounds His hearers when He teaches in the synagogue. Mark does not tell us what Jesus taught, only that He taught with real authority quite unlike the teachers of religious law the next surprise is that even the demons cannot deny that jesus is the christ in fact the first one to confess that jesus is the christ after the father speaking from heaven is a demon who says what business do we have with each other jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god mark chapter 1 verse 24 jesus interrupts the demon and casts him out News of His authority spreads throughout the entire Galilean region. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the Book of Psalms, where we're reading Psalm 35. Great is the Lord, a Psalm of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it. To his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth, I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. This psalm reminds us that life is not pretty. There are forces that oppose us and would glory in our demise. We find that life involves conflict and we may find ourselves surrounded by enemies. There are a group of psalms where the worshiper cries out for justice, that the wicked would be punished, that the tables would be turned on those who intend to harm us. These are called the imprecatory psalms. There are at least 15 of them. Psalms 5, 10, 17, 35, 58, 59, 69, 70, 79, 83, 109, 129, 137, 140, and 143. Whereas these Psalms express the fact that struggle is an inevitable part of our lives, it is necessary to surrender our desire for vengeance to the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, verses 17-20, through 20. we need to give others the space that God gives us, patiently granting us time to be convicted of sin, to turn and meet the Lord in mercy. The psalmist assures us that the Lord is our rescuer. Lord, who can compare to you? In verse 10, we can rejoice that He does vindicate His servants, but we must be patient and recognize what the Lord says. Vengeance is mine, and retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near. And the impending things are hastening upon them. This verse, found in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, is repeated in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. Our hearts do cry out for justice, but we can thank God that the justice that calls for sin's punishment is satisfied with Christ's saving act, in which He takes the punishment of those who will turn to Him in repentance and faith. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs and we discover that wisdom is good for our health. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Wisdom brings its own reward. Doing the right thing can be a lifesaver. But to scoff at wisdom, you will suffer for it. Now let's pray. Gracious God, we marvel at the perfection of your saving work in Christ. We thank you for his perfect sacrifice at the brazen altar of the cross, for his washing us clean at the labor of his word, for his enabling presence so we can feast on his fellowship, walk in his light, and have his spirit inspiring our prayers, our worship, our communion, and service, releasing the fragrance of his perfect mediation on our behalf. Thank you for this gift of a right standing with you in the holiest of all, the righteousness of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory, and may our lives speak fluently of him. We look for the day when he is known as all and in all. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining our Bible reading tour, and we welcome your comments and questions as we engage in God's Word together. You can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. Many people tell us that they benefit from receiving a daily free email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible readings with the illustrations, maps, and charts, and you can subscribe to this free service at our website, newlife.org. Don't forget to leave a review or subscribe or like these podcasts wherever you receive them. And if you do subscribe, you can get a little prompt notifying you of a fresh new posting each day. So in the words of the Apostle Paul, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord's peace be with you. Shalom.